0: So I've been talking about this set of messages here that we're kind of going through called 140 characters, what that means. Um, you know, back in the day, I don't know if it's like this anymore because I don't use Twitter anymore, but um, back in the day, you would only have 140 characters, whether it be a letter, or an apostrophe or whatever, just a, a character that you had to tweet what you were going to tweet. So you can get your word out, your opinion out in 140 characters. Right? And uh, that's why we called it 140 characters now. Um, but I got to, when, when we were coming up with this uh, set of messages here and what this looked like, I got to thinking about, well, I wonder what phrases and words that we used back in the day. So every week I have shared with you some of the phrases that we've kind of grown up with. Okay? So for the 1960s, okay? These are the phrases in the 1960s. Maybe you were around during that time, which I'm sure most of you were, right? And you used these phrases groovy. Not gravy, groovy, right? Far out. Anybody remember using that? Far, that's far out, man. Hey, man, uh, mellow. They call it mellow yellow. This is one of my favorites because I still use it. Slug bug. You guys ever still do that? You hit somebody when there's a sun. Seventies catch you on the flip side. <laughs> Anybody remember that? Remember that? Remember they catch you on the flippity flip. Uh, boogie down. Okay, that's what we did this morning, by the way. That's how we would say, if we were in the 70s, we would say, worship, we boogie down this morning. Um, this is one of my favorites, even though I don't use it, but it's still one of my favorites. Out of sight. That's out of sight. Who said that? James Brown, right? Okay. Um, another of the 70s phrase. Um, that's the bomb I thought that was more of an 80s phrase, but that's actually a 70s phrase, that's the bump. Now, 80s, um, bogus. Anybody remember Garbage Pail Kids? No? The cards you used to trade? (laughs) Garbage Pail Kids. Um, Bogus. Cheesy, that's cheesy. Yeah? Who still uses cheesy? Okay. Um, um, Freaked out? Man, that freak! That's freaking freaking. Okay, uh, this is this. I still use this one all the time. Uh, grody. That's grody, man. That's so grody. You guys remember? Okay, so here's some of the '90s. Okay, uh, let's bounce. Not talking about you physically bouncing. It means to go. Okay, so let's bounce. My bad. Anybody remember that one? How many of you guys still use that one? Oh, my bad. All right, my bad. That's actually a '90s phrase. Um, this is one of my favorites because I used to do this all the time. You would stick out your hand to shake someone's hand, right? And you go, psych. <laughs> Remember that? Psych. <laughs> right? That's, that's a fun one. Psych. And, and, and I don't say this one anymore because uh, I was tired of explaining it, um, but uh, that's fat. Phat not FAT. And the reason that's, you have to literally explain it like that. You have to say, that's fat. That means that's cool. That's awesome. That's good. But we say, ah, that's fat, man. That is like, you know, people used to say, oh, you're fat. That's not true. Okay. That's fat. So some of the current phrases, which we're going to be talking about, um, we talked about salty, right? That's one that's happening right now in today's language. Even though it's kind of a little bit older, it's still there. Extra, we talked about extra last week. You guys remember that? Extra last week. Look, if you, if you miss a message or whatever, you can always find it online at goriver.org We've got uh, Steve Chandler who helps us out every week. He's so faithful every week to come in here every Monday to edit that message. And so we're su- super proud of him for doing that. Um, spill the tea. Okay, that's the last one we're going to be talking about. Spilling the tea. Okay, um, no cap. It's the one that I I will never say. Okay, and then bet. That's what we're going to talk about today. Is bet. So I'm going to say bet, bet. And yes, bet. B E T. Bet, not bet. Like at a casino, not bet. Like you're betting on something, but bet. So here's the definition of the current modern phrase bet. Who uses the word bet? I just want to say. Raise your hand if you use the word bet, 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 bet. No, nobody does? Okay, well, my kids use it all the time, right? Both of my boys use it all the time. And you know that you're getting old, okay, when you have to say, what did you just say? <laughs> and you know you're getting even older when they look at you and you use it, and they go, Dad, don't, don't you can't say that. <laughs> like, don't say that. I remember the first time that I tried to be cool, right? And uh, I was trying to be bogus and awesome. What other ones I got here? <laughs> I used to, I, I tried to be fat. Well, no, that's easy for me. Let's see. Um, <laughs> I just, and I'm moving on. And, <clears throat> and I said, I'll bet. And and Caleb looked at me and Sam, they're like, dad, don't, you just don't, don't go there, man. That's crazy. But the word bet definition is a response statement meaning, okay, for sure. It means to agree, right? It means to be in agreement with. It also is used to express approval or acceptance. Bet, okay, bet, right? For instance, this is what it would sound like in today's normal phraseology and current language. You all set, homie, bet. That's what you would say. Y'all said, Bet yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready, I agree, I'm ready to go, yes, right, another, another phraseology or maybe something I would say, I bet you can't dunk over with that tall guy over there, and then the person would go, bet, right, not bet, money bet, but bet, I, I watch me, okay, bet, so these are, that is the definition of bet, and it means to agree, it means to do those kinds of things, now listen to me, listen to me, guys. If you're over the age of nineteen, you are not allowed to use this word. Okay, <laughs> all right, and uh, 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 it would just be super interesting for us to. It's all around here going bet 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 bet. We sound like those uh, we sound like those seagulls off Dory. Uh, <laughs> mine 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 mine. Right. So so uh, let's 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 leave that one for the younger guys. Okay, and uh, but bet I want to talk about what it means to be in agreement, what it means to be in agreement in prayer, what it means to intercede together, what it means to bet, okay? You got my back? Bet. You got this? Bet. You got that? Bet. Yeah, I'm with you. We're together. We're in agreement together. So what does the Bible say about this? So turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, verses 18 through 20. Digital Bibles, paper Bibles, all those things. Matthew chapter 18 Verses 18 through 20. While you're turning there, um, Green Bay will get better. You know I had to say something, Lauren. Just super quick. They will get better, right? I I trust that. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, Maybe it's that Hiosco or whatever he's doing, right? But I don't know. But they will get better. But I am happy. I am happy that we actually beat the Green Bay Packers last week for our opener. Thank you, thank you. And uh, we'll see what happens. Now, if you guys lose to the Bears today, then we really gotta agree in prayer together and intercede, (laughs) right? But I I don't foresee that happening. Okay, Matthew chapter 18, verses 18, 18 through 20 says this. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, someone say loose, whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Verse 19. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Bet. Agree. I'm gonna say bet. bet bet that's the only time you're allowed to say it bet right now before we can agree together we have to understand our identity in authority it's vitally important for us as believers to understand who we are I believe that there is an identity crisis within the church where we're here just simply to try to just serve the Lord Right, without there being a connection and a relationship, without, in him, without us understanding who we really are in Him. And I really believe that what God is doing and what God wants to do even more is begin to open up our understanding of who we are in Him. Right At the beginning of the year, of every year, by the way, uh, but at the beginning of the year, we come up with our New Year's revelation. We believe in New Year's resolutions, but we wanna live from a place of revelation. So we asked God uh, in the previous year, what is it that you want to speak to our church? And this year, we believed so strongly, myself and, and together as our team, that we believed that this year was a year of identity, was a year of identity, who we are, who we were, what does God call us to be? And I don't know about you. Right, maybe this is just me, honestly, maybe this is just for me, but I've, I've, I've probably encountered some of the best and worst times of my life this year that have really shook out some things inside of me. You know, I strongly believe this, that as time counts down and before the Lord's return, Right? That the things that can be shaken will be shaken. The things that can and should be loosed from the tree of our hearts is gonna be gonna be shook off. And the only thing that's gonna remain is what God wants to remain. Right? And that always comes through trials, it always comes through tribulation, it always comes through circumstances and situations, and it comes through the place where God sets up opportunities for us to discover who we really are in Him. And it's all Him. He gives us a gift. And that gift is called the wilderness. Think about that for a second. We wanna go, God, just get me out of here. God says, I don't wanna get you out of there. I want you to go through this so you can learn who you really are in him. See, from the beginning of time, The enemy has come to try to persuade us and convince us that we are not children of God, that we are not his. Started with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? Satan, as a serpent, came and tried to convince Eve by questioning God, by questioning God to her, and that it wasn't the sin of just eating the fruit, hear me, but the sin really started when she began to agree with what the enemy said about her. That's when sin entered the world. Now we fast forward to Jesus. Jesus is here, has this awesome experience at the, at the, uh, 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 with John the Baptist. You guys with me? Right? Jesus is here. He's in this awesome experience. The heavens open up. The Holy Spirit comes and and, and falls upon him in the form of a dove. Holy Spirit comes and falls on him. A voice from heaven says, This is my son, whom I'm well pleased. And the Bible says this, if you look it up in that story, the Bible says this. Now, Jesus, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, is led by the Spirit to the wilderness. And in that wilderness, Jesus encountered 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. You guys with me? 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. This is funny. At the end of that 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says that Jesus was hungry and then he ate something. I don't know about you, but I've fasted before and I'm hungry like the second I decide I'm gonna fast. I don't know how Jesus made it 40 days and 40 nights. There was one time when I was in school that I fasted for a whole week. I was so proud of myself. But even in that whole week, you start rationalizing a few things, right? Like our rationalization was, I wonder if I just drink V8. Is that the same thing as eating? Yeah, still liquid, but there's vegetables. I don't know. And the worst thing you can do after you're done with the fast is when you break fast, okay, is go eat a greasy, gross hamburger. It's the worst thing you can do for your body. And that's what we did, and we all felt sick for the next week, and we fasted all over again because we were sick, right? And, 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 and so here's Jesus, right? He's in the wilderness, led by the Spirit into the wilderness, And Satan comes and tempts him. There's three specific times where Satan comes and tempts him. But each time, it wasn't that he was tempting him with these great and glorious things. One time he says, if you're hungry, right, why don't you turn this stone into a piece of bread? Okay, you guys with me? This is what happened in the Bible, right? Why don't you turn this stone into a piece of bread? And then before you know it, 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 there's a phrase that Satan said right before that. He says, if you are the son of God. See, what the enemy comes and he does is he wants to distract you and deceive you into questioning your purpose and your identity while you're here on earth. That is exactly what he loves to do. And he's so conniving and he's so great at doing it that most believers are walking around believing what the enemy says about them rather than what the King of Kings says about them. That's what happens. We question our authority that Jesus gave us on the cross. Now we fast forward. To us. And Jesus said, all authority I've been given, now I give to you. Go and make disciples of all nations. And we question that purpose. We question the authority that Jesus has given us. I've said this from the time that I've started this message because I want to get it ingrained in our heart. If Jesus has all authority, how much authority does Satan have? None. Zero. So why in the world do we allow him to have authority in our lives? Why? It's because the only authority Satan has is the authority that we agree with him on. It's the only thing that we have that, that he has in our lives is the authority that we say, yeah, you know, maybe I am this way. We start questioning our divine purposes in Christ when we start listening to the voice of the enemy over our lives. You have authority. The Bible says, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. and Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. First, when Jesus came, died on the cross before he resurrected, he claimed all authority. He redeemed the authority to bind and to loose. So what does it even mean to bind and to loose? Why do we have to bind something in heaven, bind it on earth? Loose it in heaven, loose it on earth. What does that even mean? Well, the word bind there, that Greek word means to deo, is what it means. Deo, that's a Greek word for it. It means to tie, to fasten with change, to throw into change, to put under obligation. It means to put under obligation. The word loose is the Greek word, which is kind of a cool word, (laughs) loo. That's how you pronounce it, loo. And it means to loosen any person or thing, tied or fastened. This is really great. It also means to break contract. It means to break contract. So what do we need to bind in heaven and what do we need to loose in heaven? That way it's bound here on earth, that way it's bound here in heaven. I'd like to suggest that God gave us the authority because of the cross to bind those spoken contracts, those covenants and those demonic forces that are sent to attack our lives. Those, those contracts, those covenants that we have made with our own mouth. I was listening to a podcast this last week and uh, a person in the church, a person in the church was just talking normal talk, right? And a situation came up and she said this, she said, I would rather die than, than have to deal with that, right? person walked by her to pray for her, the pastor did, laid hands on her to pray like a normal old Sunday, right? He walked away thinking man, I just got this overwhelming feeling that I need to kill myself. Where did that come from? In the middle of church, right? Pastor walks over to the lady, older lady, probably in her 50s. Not older, I say older. <laughs> I'm four years away, baby, let's go. <laughs> I'm just about there, right? Pastor walks over and says, can I ask you a question before I- have you thought about committing suicide? No. He says, well, I got this overwhelming feeling that... I said, have you said anything lately that... I said, well, yeah. I mean, I said I would rather die than do this than go through this encounter or go through this. He said, that's it. That's it. As flippant as that might sound, what the enemy did was took that word and he began to write a contract and covenant to say, I am have legal access now into your life so that way you... Eventually, we will just drum up all the scenes of, of depression and anxiety and all this kind of stuff. Now, the Bible says what we're going to do, he says, let me pray for you real quick. He says, I'm going to pray for you that we break the contract, that we bind the contract and we release freedom. That's why Jesus gave us authority here on earth to bind and to loose. So it binds in heaven and it looses in heaven as well. See, when we bind here on earth, when we bind the certain contracts, the covenants that we've made even flippantly with our, with our words, when we bind those up, we get the opportunity and the authority and the power to loose the freedom. Not just to break out of change, but to say this, so what do we do in that situation and in that story? They said, we're going to bind this contract of death and we're going to loose the spirit of life over you. We're going to lose the spirit of life. And I wonder how many believers are walking around in churches today still under negative demonic contracts in their life because they say to themselves, this is just who I am. This is just who I am. See, when we say things like this, I'll always struggle in this area of my life. I'll always struggle. I'll always struggle. I can't shake it. Can't get rid of it. What you're doing, what we do when we do that is we actually start believing what the enemy says about us and we've lessened the power of the cross in our hearts. I'll always struggle. I'll always be sick. I'll always have sickness in my life. I'll always not have enough to live. What you've done is you've written a contract of discontent where nothing will ever satisfy you. Or I'm an addict. I've never been to AA before. I've never been addicted to anything. But one thing that I've just, I'm so confused about, I understand that you were an addict and you're 20 years set free from that. We should not say I'm an addict anymore. Either we're gonna believe in the work of the cross or we're not gonna believe in the work of the cross. There's no in between. If you've ever like preached before and that kind of stuff, you, you get these senses, you get this direction from the Lord that you feel like you have to say and you always have a conversation to yourself before you say it. <laughs> and you go, oh, you sure about that? No, 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 no. I just can't shake it. I told the Lord this week that I would rather have obedience than anything in my life. Complete surrender. Complete surrender. So listen to me. What I felt like the Holy Spirit just dropped in my heart was there's some of us here this morning that are dealing with a secret sin, whether that be pornography, whether that be um, 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 thoughts in our minds, right, that, that we entertain, okay? God says to you today, it's time to get serious. It's time to get real. It's time to get up here to the front of this altar and you lay it all down before him. Because he wants to bind that thought and he wants to set you free. Now he gave us the authority to loose in heaven, to break, to cancel, to tear up the contract, the covenant that we've agreed to now loose. This loosing brings freedom upon our families, our lives, our homes, our paths, our way of living, all those kinds of things. So whatever contract you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever freedom declaration you loose here on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It's the divine connection between heaven and earth. It's what Jesus came and died on the cross for. When he died on the cross, the veil was torn from the top down, whoop, and it went like this, right? And what happened to that? It gave us full access. There is no more in-between man. There was no more in between. God says, no, this is the way I designed it from the very beginning, and because of one person, because of Jesus, the spotless lamb, because he came and he died upon the cross, now that full access now has been given to you and to me. It's the divine connection. Whatever you loose, whatever you bind, shall be bound in heaven and loosed on heaven as well. So now the next part of this verse talks about agreement in prayer. Now we're gonna talk about agreement and binding and loosing of those things you're believing for. The Bible says, again I say to you, that if two of you agree, someone say agree. agree. Two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. God, I just pray that you will, as I bind with my brother, that you will bless me with the lottery ticket that wins the $10 million. Okay. No, I don't work that way. <laughs> That's not what that means, <laughs> okay? It says whatever you ask in my name. That's not what that means. All right? Let me first say this. You are not a lone ranger believer. And there's this idea that because of insecurity, because of doubt, because of people looking at us. Come on, I'm just talking about real stuff here. Because of people looking at us, not thinking that we're more spiritual or more holy or more faith-filled or whatever the case is. Right? We think that we have to do this alone. We think that when we're dealing with a certain issue or a certain problem or a certain thing going on that we can't go to somebody and discover and talk about it. I know, I'm a dude, right? Like, I'm a guy guy. I hunt, I kill fish, okay? When I hunted my first deer, I took it and I drank the blood of that deer. No, I'm just playing, I didn't do that. I was thinking of, what was that show? There was Red Dawn, I think is what it was. That's what them But here's the deal, right? I know, being a guy, I know that it's hard for us to go to people. And I actually got reprimanded by, by some very close people in my life. This is, Pastor, we didn't know you were dealing with this. I said, man, I know, I'm just gonna figure it out myself, right? No, listen, we have to get past that. You are not a Lone Ranger believer. It doesn't work that way. God created and designed us to be together to connect, to agree, to come to an agreement with one another. See, God's idea is to never go at this alone. He desires us to connect, to agree. And there's so many examples in the Bible where if it wasn't for the friends of other believers, they would have never met Jesus. Two that come to my mind are the paralytic man whose friends took him to the roof and uh, drilled with their rocks and stones through the roof and lowered that person into the roof while Jesus was talking in the room. That, my friends, is some faith. So packed in the room, yeah, Uh, can't get in. Uh, I got my saw in the truck real quick, let me go get it real fast. We gonna get you down there, right? Bring him down, can you imagine what they were thinking in that moment? Can you imagine what they were feeling in that moment? Oh, I don't know, this is weird. We're gonna bother him. We don't wanna bother Jesus, right? And was, listen, listen to me, listen to me. Your detailed life never interferes with Jesus. Amen. Go to him. The Bible says to cast your cares upon him. Because why? Because he cares for you. You Yeah, I know there's wars. I know there's rumors of wars. I know that there's inflation. I know that there's all these things. But don't think of yourself lesser because Jesus loves to be with you. Yo, man, I'm spitting truth this morning. I feel like I'm preaching to me, man. The other example I think about with the two is Jesus sends out, The 12, two by two. There's power in agreement. There's power in togetherness. There's power in agreement. Bet. Bet. There's power in agreement. See, here in just a moment, at the end of service, we're going to open the altar area. I'm going to ask Pastor Steve to come up. He's going to open it up. He's going to pray. There's going to be ministry people up here that have been praying this week just for this moment. They've been believing God for you all week long. And especially this, this Sunday morning, they come early at nine o'clock. It's been 40 minutes in prayer just for that moment. What a disservice. What a, what a, what kind of a slap in the face if we think, I'm just, I don't, I don't want to go because you know. I didn't do this or something's going on or, or I just don't feel good enough or, or my, you know, my, my thing isn't that big. I want you to know that when this opens up, you get up here and you agree with somebody that God's going to take care of your situation. Do not listen. Oh. Look, are we going to get passionate about God or not? God is up to something. I don't know about you, but I feel it. I can sense it, I can tell it, right? It's in my veins, man. God is up to something, and he's looking for the kind of people that are gonna go, yes, God, a full abandonment, surrender unto you, I don't care what the cost is, I'm gonna jump right in. Don't miss the train ride, because there will be a ride, but don't miss it. Your ticket is passion after him. So you can go home and pray together or go home and pray on your own, which you should and you can, but there's something about when you agree together with someone, when you link arms, what you're doing is you're creating a covenant when you come together with somebody. You're coming together and you're making a covenant with them to say, I for you, you for me, us for Jesus. He's gonna take care of this situation. The Bible puts it like this. If one could put a thousand to flight, then two Two can put 10,000 to flight. It was talking about battle. It was talking about war in the Old Testament when that was written. But I suggest to you today, this morning, that, yeah, you can do it on your own. You might even have a 1,000 enemies against you that will flee. But when you come together with somebody, there is nothing that can harm you. Why? Because 10,000 will be put to flight. So there's the word agreement. When you agree together in prayer, ask and it shall be done for you. But then the verse goes on to say this. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. See, there's agreement and then there's the gather. There's the agreement when you agree with somebody, but then there's the gather. When two or three gather together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And I find this so interesting. Jesus, when he was saying this, this is red letters in the Bible, when he was saying this, he was alive in that moment. How could he say, when two or three gather together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. How could he say that? First, I will say this. It's vitally important for all of us to gather with other believers. Not just agree with two, but to gather together. To gather together. Hear me. To gather together. You can usually tell. This isn't the marker for everything. Okay? And I would never suggest that. But it's a pretty good indicator. You can usually tell when someone's life who is a believer is going astray when they stop showing up to gather at church. Think about that for a second. I'm not talking about one Sunday. I'm talking about a, a, a habit. They make it a habit in their life where they go, no, you find other things to do on that day besides make it a priority for you to go to the house of the Lord. (laughs) Look, something happened in our country after COVID and it's called convenience, right? Something happened, it turned turned from... eh, let me just tell you, like we have to guard against being religious and obligations and those kinds of things. I understand that. That's why I'm talking about you being passionate after God. Because if you're passionate after Jesus, if you're passionate after God, you want nothing more than to come to the house of the Lord and worship together and gather with other believers. It's your highlight of your week. You go, I can't wait to be in the house of God to see what God is going to do. It's in your heart. It's in your veins. It, it runs in there. COVID happened and something happened. It changed from us having some type of accountability to one another to going, "Hi, oh, I wonder who's on the YouTube today. Click, oh, Ella. Ele- ele- Listen, YouTube church is not the same as you sitting your butt right here in your seat. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, sorry. Your rear end. Your glutes. Right, Nathan? Is that how I said that? Is that right? Is that... I don't know my muscle groups very well. <laughs> it's not the same thing. People ask all the time, how did your boys go into ministry school and how are they pastors? You want to know why? Because I made them be here at church. <laughs> I'm saying this for all you parents and all your kids and all you people that have teenagers and kids. Okay? Get your kids to church. There's nowhere more important than right here. Nowhere. My son, both of them, both of them, both of my boys athletic. One played basketball, one played football. Hey, it's Wednesday night. You're getting out of practice early, but I won't start. Yeah, you will. You want to know why you will? Because you're going to practice harder on the rest of the days. And you're going to make it known that, you're going to, that you want to be there. That's how you honor people, and that's how you honor your... Co- I don't know why I'm talking about this, okay? but that's how you honor that, right? You do that. This right here is going to help them grow and mature and lead others and be a leader in their lives. If we just get them around the presence of Jesus, they'll grow hungry for it. They'll thirst after it, but not only them, but you will also. Now, I'm not going to sit here and and, and, and talk about how you need to do this and you need to do that, but I'm talking about the importance of gathering. Because when two or three gather together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And that is the key word. Gathering together in his name. Because for a long time, people gathered for all kinds of reasons. They gathered to get a miracle. Ain't nothing wrong with coming to church to ask God to bless you, right? Come on, somebody. Ain't nothing wrong with that. They would gather together for the blessing. They gathered together for the miracle. They gathered together just to come over here and just have friends. They would gather together. And all of those are okay things, they're not illegal. But when we make it about that, we miss the mark of why we gather. We gather because of Jesus, not because of all the other little things that come along with it. Those are all the benefits of being in the house of the Lord and gathering together with the saints. But if it's not about Jesus, if it becomes more about my religious obligation and duty, I missed it. I need to focus on the presence of Jesus. He is the only reason why I show up here in the mornings. He is the only reason why I go to Bible study on Wednesdays. He is the only reason why I go to the groups. It's not because of all the other things. It's because of him. It's because of him. And you have to think to yourself, come on now, let's get real serious here. You gotta think to yourself and investigate your heart. The Bible says this: search me, O oh Lord. Search me. And what we need to do sometimes in our own personal lives is ask God to search us to see if the intentions of our heart are lining up with who He is. That's a good word, Pastor Jake. Hey, hey. to rid ourselves of excuses and get real with ourselves and ask some serious questions about, are we passionate about Jesus? Are you passionate about God? Are we passionate about Him? Again, I'm not saying that church attendance or gathering attendance proves that you're passionate after Him. But like I said earlier, it's a pretty good measure. The reason why that we gather together as believers when two or three gather together in my name, when we gather together, here's why. Because wherever Jesus is, you will always find the bondage-breaking power of love and forgiveness. Wherever he is, we focus on him. He comes and fills the room. I don't know about you, but I sense the presence of God this morning during worship. I didn't want to stop. Sometimes I think sometimes we just need, you know, starting in January, we're starting encounter nights on Friday nights where it's just gonna be worshiping the prophetic. That's all it's gonna be. Well, we're just gonna, we're gonna start at a time and we don't have an end in sight until it's time. You can come, you can go. We're just gonna focus on Jesus. That's it. That's why when we gather together, especially in his name, we can sense the presence of God. You can start some music back there. God is asking us this morning. He's asking me this morning to gather in his name because when we do, there's unity and agreement to bind and to loose because he is present with us. He is here. That's the one thing I love about Jesus. You know, the Bible is the only book where the author shows up. If you're reading with him, same thing as church. When we gather together in his name, he's here, he's here. It's a promise in the word of God in Matthew. He said, "Uh, you don't have to try very hard. Just come in my name. I'm here. And I want you to know that Jesus is here this morning. He's here, he's right here. He's maybe tugged on your heart a little bit. Maybe some of us this morning really aren't serving God and and loving Jesus the way that we think that we should. Or maybe lately you've been a little distant from him, I want you to know that he's here. He's here, he's with you. He's right here, right now in the room. You don't have to go very far to find him. He's closer than the skin that you have on your body. He's right here. He's present with us to conquer anything in your life that the enemy is trying to convince you is bigger than God. Come on, somebody. (laughs) The things we're going through, sometimes we can trick our minds to thinking that it's actually God can't take care of it. I want you to know that God can and will take care of it. There's no sickness that can stand up to the name of Jesus Christ. There's no financial situation that this country's in or that we're in that Jesus can't take care of. He's got it. So what I want to do here before Pastor Steve comes up and closes out our service, I just want us to pray here this morning. I hope and pray this morning you encourage in some way, shape, or form. I hope you feel equipped in some way, shape, or form. None. Nah, I don't wanna be a church where we just come and hear a good message, watch me get passionate and then leave and go, man, that was really great. Let Allow the word to transform your mind, to transform your heart, so you can live kingdom-minded. So we're about now, it's closed. I'm gonna end today like this. If you're here this morning, Two questions. If you're here this morning and you don't know who Jesus is, you don't know him personally, maybe someone invited you this morning, maybe you've come before and you never really made a decision to serve God. You never really made a decision to surrender your life to Jesus. You wanna do that this morning. If that's you, can you just raise your hand and put it right back down, if that's you. Anybody here this morning? Good, just assume we're all family then second question is this, maybe you're in this room, and you know, come on, just be real with yourself, you know deep in your heart that your passion meter for Jesus has dwindled all the way down, and you're here this morning saying, you know, Pastor, I want to get back to where I was, I want to come back to have a childlike faith again, to where Jesus means everything into me, where nothing else matters but Him, and if that's you, just raise your hand real quick, put it right back there, good, there's one, there's two, three, four, thank you, on, who else that's you that's you come on thank you so much I see your hand thank you thank you praise the Lord praise the Lord normally I would have people come and give you something but what these people are gonna do in the back right now they're just gonna pray for you <laughs> let me encourage you here this morning if you raise your hand specifically if you raise your hand learn the art of surrender surrendering your life and surrendering everything that you're going through is the only way to come back to a childlike faith. Total dependence on Jesus. Total dependence on Him. So if you can, everyone together, especially, especially if you raise your hand, but everyone together, will you just repeat this after me? Say, Father, forgive me my sin. I need you in my life. So today I surrender everything that i am to you and right now holy spirit i ask you that you would put a passion in me for you like never before god i thank you jesus name amen